0: Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Weekend Mornings here on Money FM. Glenn Van Zutphen with you all the way up until noon today. Time for our International News Weekend in Review. Bill Porman, the podcaster and journalist. Joining me in the studio today. Good morning, Bill. How are you today? Good morning, Glenn. Feeling good? (laughs) Feeling great. You're looking good. There.
1: thanks.
0: (laughs) We both got a face made for radio this morning. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there is so much going on. And, you know, look, I guess we have to start with impeachment because it is really impacting the world, you know, far beyond just what's happening in the U.S., Um, and, um, first of all, your, your take on the week's events, um, we had the president asking China for help. We had the president freely admitting to the Ukraine stuff and, and people still don't believe that he was on that call. (laughs) Yeah, well, right.
1: It's true. There was a survey that came out that I saw in the uh, U.S. newspaper USA Today that said that 40% of Republican voters don't believe he was on the call. With the Ukraine president. Right. The one that he admits he was on that they have the transcript for. Right. <laughs> now, hopefully this has changed as more information has come to light. I, I don't know. But this is the <sighs> environment in which we're trying to address, yes, what has truly uh, become a global issue. Now, of course, anything affecting the president of the United States and his uh, situation in office is a global story. But yeah. as you say, he's has asked china to help with his reelection campaign already europe through ukraine is deeply enmeshed in this and of course the implications for the united states and for our yeah. all foreign policy it's something else
0: yeah the uh, so uh, so many things are happening of course the Trump administration is, uh, of course, denying there was any wrongdoing. Um, now, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, as we, as we noted in the uh, in the news roundup at the top of the hour, is uh, complaining that the Democrats are unfairly treating his uh, his staff at the State Department, wanting documents and and things relating to this issue. Um, and so there there really is a, an immense amount of pushback and double down by the administration um, in the face of what the other side says is clear wrongdoing and overreach by the president. How, you know, in an environment like this where where one party just completely refuses to ignore what the norms are, I guess, in this case, wh- where, does, where does the investigation possibly go? <laughs> and I know you're not a, a constitutional no, expert, but... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think
1: it goes to, in our hyper-polarized times, yeah. I think it goes to some natural conclusions, the contours of which that we can already see. Mm. So in the House, where only a simple majority of Democrats voting for articles of impeachment, where that's the requirement, that's likely to go through. Mm. The question is how much Republican support or not it gets, and the degree to which it will be bipartisan or not. And then should the articles of impeachment get passed in the U.S. House, it goes to the Senate where the Republicans are in charge. Uh, The Senate Majority Mitch McConnell says that he will consider it. There are questions as to how much consideration (laughs) it will get. Maybe it'll be done in an hour. Maybe it'll take weeks, but it's likely to fail. Uh, Unless, of course, President Trump, Lays down different groundwork. He's been going hard mm. at some Republican senators who have not been supportive of him in
0: a fashion that I can't say on the radio. He's been <laughs> saying some things. <laughs> and so Mitt, Mitt Romney, notably, uh, has been one that's been taking a lot of heat for saying that you know that they should go ahead with this investigation.
1: Well, and that what his behavior was inappropriate. Yeah. Right. And by saying it was inappropriate, that's not good enough, apparently, for for the president, who, as you say, has doubled down on this notion, almost arguing that actually foreign interference with U.S. elections is acceptable. And
0: okay, and expected. It was interesting. Um, uh, There was he did a a, a quick little uh, pop with the with the media before he jumped on Marine One. uh, I believe it was yesterday. So Saturday uh, in the U.S. and in that he said it's in the Constitution that he needs to uh, investigate corruption. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've got some things being said out here that are, uh, again, I'm no constitutional law expert, but I'm pretty sure I never saw that anywhere in the Constitution that I read uh, in my sixth grade civics class. Uh, right. About the president being in charge or or having a responsibility to find corruption. So, uh, you know, strange stuff.
1: Well, there's no way to make this next thing that I'm going to say sound perfectly fair but when you take things like that that Mm. can objectively be checked and then you take these tweets and if you haven't had the opportunity to go see his tweets of the last week you really should it's quite startling reading Mm. uh it gives this sense of flailing and lashing Mm. right and maybe his supporters see it as strength right or as what needs to be done in the face of enemies who will do anything against him but it really gives this sense of flailing and uh uh, well, frankly,
0: I think it starts to get scary at some point. Yeah, yeah, you know? it looks it looks weird. And the bigger, I think, the bigger issue is: while all this is going on, what is what is el- you know what else is happening around the world that the U.S. should be paying attention to? So, for example, they just had the the round of talks, uh, the first in like eight months with North Korea uh, in Sweden, which apparently ended. In, in a dismal failure, yeah. according to the North Korean side, yeah. uh, the U.S. side said, no, no, we made some good progress on that. And and the North Koreans are like, no, it was – It was, you know, it was a joke. Nothing happened. So, you know, here is one of the big cornerstone things that's been talked about for over a year now since the Singapore summit in June uh, a year ago. And there's been zero progress on that. And in the meantime, North Korea is firing off missiles. Uh, They've had, what, six, seven, eight tests since then, Um, which, of course, is rightly making, you know, Japan and South Korea quite nervous. Uh, And now apparently they have uh, missiles that will reach the U.S. Uh, So that's been ignored well, in trade talks trade with talks, China. Obviously. So the trade talk- talks with China are scheduled to start
1: here, I think, in a, a week or two uh, again, and hopefully that will re- lead to some conclusions. But now the waters are slightly muddied by. All of this,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's still hanging out there as well. We saw this during, uh, you know, during the Nixon administration, and also during uh, the Clinton administration. That when the impeachment proceedings started, you know, pretty much everything else kind of comes to a halt yeah. uh, in a mean and in, in any meaningful way, uh, because the administration is just so focused on, you know, whatever they need to do around that investigation. So uh, it's you know, from an outside perspective, it's troublesome because there are a lot of really big issues out there and never mind the climate change type issues and all that that need to be looked at. Um, But a lot of this is really going to get, I think, shelved and on top of it, then moving into the election cycle, right? Yes, right. Well, that's begun. (laughs) Which has begun. Not moving.
1: We've moved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: we're we're in it. We're in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I wonder what, you know, where do we go in, in, in terms of Keeping the ball moving, and yeah. and and you've got a State Department that's vastly understaffed. So many of the things that would have normally carried on, right. in the light of this, from the professional diplomatic corps are not because there just aren't, you know, warm bodies in seats to do these to do uh, these international uh, uh, projects that have to be worked on.
1: Well, I think you're right. I mean, look, the federal government's still a big place. So I think yeah. progress and talks and motion will still go underway. But on those big high profile things, yes, mm-hmm. I think things are going to come to a stop for right now. Because uh, everyone's going to be tied up with impeachment. Uh, I think it matters right now what sorts of decisions the Democratic leadership make about how wide to make this investigation mm-hmm. and how quickly to conclude this investigation. Because as we know from prior examples of this, it can go on for years and years and years, mm-hmm. right? These investigations can go on as long as they want, sure. or they can be very compact and concise. And so if they try to do, if the Democrats rather try to bring very narrow articles of impeachment just focused on what happened with Ukraine and build their case off of that. Mm. Maybe this could go very quickly, because in fact, already this week, we had uh, uh, closed door hearings with some of the key players. So this is moving very quickly. But if they choose to make broader calls on these things, involve more elements of what they see as wrongdoing by President Trump, it could drag on. And as you say, that will really put a hold on anything else getting done.
0: Yeah, Adam Schiff, who is the U.S. representative uh, that is in charge, uh, ostensibly in charge of this uh, investigation. Uh, of course, has been pilloried by the right, but has been given pretty high marks on the left so far in terms of keeping focus and keeping moving forward in a very dispassionate way. Uh, he's not uh, falling falling prey to the, the the tweet fest that is daily uh, facing him. Uh, so maybe that's a good sign that this could move quickly and and clearly, and you know, in and in t- to try to find some conclusion. Yeah, yeah,
1: and of course the added dimension to this of, is the politics of it, and I and I think <laughs> that is the which <laughs> which by I mean electoral politics, right? Because yeah, yeah. the 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 electoral play right now is who is this potentially going to help or backfire on, mm, right? Mm. And we have some lessons from history involving the Clinton impeachment uh, that seemingly backfired on the Republicans. Uh, will this backfire on the Democrats? Everybody is making these calculations on a day by day basis. Yeah, as to how this is going to help or hurt them, mm. uh, unless it's tweets. I, I don't know what to say about those, but <laughs> everyone seems to be making these calculations. Yeah. And I think that will drive a lot of how quickly the process moves
0: as well. Yeah. With Bill Poorman uh, here on Money FM Weekend Mornings, the podcaster and journalist uh, talking about our international news review, lots happening this week. Uh, let's go to Hong Kong. Uh, Friday, the Kerry Lam government went ahead and uh, imposed the uh, ban on face masks or face obfuscation includes face painting. Those of you out there in radio land that like to do that, uh, all of it's a, a no go zone now, which, of course, is, you know, inflaming the passion and tension around that again.
1: Yeah, well, they, they went right back out. Uh, with masks and mm. held more protests, so it's just become yet another flashpoint, right, for uh, the ongoing protests. This this new it's a it's a special uh, colonial era uh, law that they're using to impose these restrictions, uh, not used for 50 years, uh, which is um, just stoking more tensions right now. But of course, there's lots of stoking on all sides, right? So some of this is response to property damage and um, ongoing attacks on the police and police attacks on protesters. We have two live fire shootings now, no deaths, mm-hmm. thank goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one shooting uh, into the chest of one of the protesters, a 14 year old boy shot in the leg, uh, later arrested. Um, it's really getting thick. And in fact, Glenn, you were there this past yes, week. Yes. Uh, so
0: what was your sense of being on the ground? I, I was there a Wednesday to Friday uh, for business. And prior to going there, I thought, hmm you know what, they've got a chance of somehow working this out. Now, who's the honest broker in this? I don't know. But surely they will all come together and figure, figure out a peaceful or meaningful solution to this. And then uh, and then I was walking home from dinner on Thursday night back to my hotel on, in, near the Quarry Bay area, and um, I found myself in the middle of one of the protests, oh, wow. um, inadvertently uh, just walking that way, and uh, tasted my first taste of tear gas, which was interesting. Um, and uh, they <laughs> a had- A fine bouquet? A, a fine bouquet. It was, you know, a, a cork you've never smelled before yes. kind of thing. Um, but uh, as I went in, and I went in early on, so they had fired some rounds, and then they had started to dissipate, and that's when I arrived. So there was no active sort of tussling going on. Um, but I was about uh, two, three meters from the riot police on the one side. It was right in the middle, basically, and then throngs of people on the other side. And I was kind of packed in with the journalists, so huddling, huddling together for warmth and security. Mm. Um, but one thing that that really struck me about that, it was about 10.30 at night, uh, and I stayed for about a half hour till 11 o'clock, and then I skedaddled out of there when I sensed that things were starting to heat up a little bit, and I didn't have a gas mask with me. Um, but the uh, there were about 10 or 12 riot police there and around this uh, uh, MTR station, and then there were probably... I don't know, 600 or more people surrounding kind of on three sides, the police, uh, uh, not right next to them, but, you know, within a kind of a perimeter and one side across the street would would chant something, and then the other side across would would echo it, and then the other side would add in, you know, things, it was on Cantonese, and I asked a gal standing next to me, she's like, you know, police, get out of here, how can you shoot young boys, you know, you're terrible, you know, all kinds of things in Cantonese that, uh, some of which can't be repeated on, on polite radio. <laughs> um, because, you know, the Cantonese has a certain way of expressing, <laughs> you know, that language has a way of expressing themselves like no other. Um, but I, you know, so everybody was involved in this, and it wasn't just the some of the violent protesters that we've seen in some of the pictures of fire bombings and stuff. It was, it was moms and dads and their kids in their pajamas and grandparents and students and and some of yes those more violent type bro- protesters. But it was just a broad, broad swath of society, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, this is this is not just a few disgruntled people this is society here because they you know they're pissed off that they can't afford to live in their city yeah. and and have proper housing and they can't vote for who they want to vote for and you know they're tired of what they perceive as police brutality and this is huge right yeah and and
1: widespread as you say and uh, and what you describe is since the very beginning so like this didn't start with some vanguard of young protesters mm. who were just out causing trouble mm. uh, it has had a wide support, as you say, from every faction of society for these huge crowds. I mean, the crowds were a million people at times, or at least that's what that's what Protester numbers, that's what they put on it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can't get that big of a crowd unless you have widespread support yeah. throughout the community.
0: And in the last few days, of course, you know, we've, we've had protests, seen protests in Yunlong and way up, Wang Tyson way up in the north part of the new territories. And now, for the first time in the last, I think, two days, they've gone all the way down to Aberdeen in the south, the south mm. part of Hong Kong Island, which uh, until a couple of days ago, they had not had any protests down there. So, and of course, east to west so it is really encompassing everywhere yeah and we'll see we'll see what happens now with the you know, with the face mask ban, what that does. They're expecting another big demonstration today. Right. Uh, even though the MTR, like yesterday, was shut down all day, um, and but uh, they're expecting now a big protest today. Well, and you talk
1: about involving the entire city. I mean, they are taking steps to try to keep this under control by doing things like that. Mm. Imagine in Singapore, mm. the entire train network being shut <laughs> down. <laughs> That's affecting everybody. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and <laughs> so it is. You're, you're, it's it's might, affecting the entire place. You might be a regular guy just trying to go to your job at Seven right. Eleven or whatever, and you can't get there.
1: Right, you know? and, right, right, and, right. So it's... I'm going there in a couple of weeks. I'm supposed to go in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, and what everyone's doing, you know, business people now are saying, you know, go in on Tuesday, leave on Thursday. Yeah. You know, just avoid the Mondays and Fridays and the weekends, and you're probably going to be okay.
1: And in fact, that's what I'm doing. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's weird. There's a brand new normal in terms of going to Hong Kong, right, yeah. that you never had to even think about before.
1: Well, and I'm already starting to plan ahead. Okay, what am I going to carry in my bag, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to have, if not a face mask, maybe, well— Maybe I need my Hayes face mask, right? Take that with me Anything helps. or a cloth, right? Uh, take some extra water, right? Yeah. Uh, I wear contact lenses, take my glasses along in there case I need to pull those
0: out. There you go. Right. So it changes your thinking entirely when you think of going to places. Crazy, crazy. Hey, uh, last topic, yeah. China's 70th anniversary. Now, this, of course, related to Hong Kong in many ways. And, um, you know, the, the, there are obviously two sides of this political divide. The one is, hey, you know, China. Responsible for what's happening in Hong Kong. The other is, you know, here is a here is a country that has brought hundreds of millions of people out of poverty in three hundred in, in seventy years, and and has really become a success story in many ways as well, from the infrastructure standpoint and all that. Um, you had the interesting opportunity of watching that seventieth anniversary parade with two Chinese nationals, uh, with Bill Porman here in the studio. Bill, how? What was that like and what was the conversation like? Well, it was. It was quite interesting. It just
1: kind of happened by accident, but uh, pulled it up on YouTube, which is kind of funny giving the censorship of Google <laughs> technologies. Mm, but mm. we pulled it up on YouTube and we're watching the parade. Um, there was, of course, a genuine sense of pride, I think, because as you say, this is a country that has risen up and quite recently and of Of course, the century of humiliation, which is often talked about, right? China was picked to pieces by the other powers of the world for a century and is now standing Mm. up on its own. Mm. But yes, the entire first hour was President Xi uh, riding in a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going back and forth along this enormous parade of high technology and soldiers, uh, just an impressive arsenal. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, they did move on to a c- civilian component of the parade. Mm. where are celebrating the peasants and the workers and the farmers and everything that had raised the country up
0: right.
1: uh, in the 70 years since the CCP took over. But uh, after the military portion was over, I-, I was asked, so there it is, there's all this military, we've, we've sent it to the world. What do you think? Does this show that we're strong? and maybe this is just my western sensibilities but i i I said no actually in the west we see weakness Mm -mm. we see countries that have to puff themselves up and prove to the rest of the world in this very visceral fashion that hey you know watch out for us as inherently weaker Mm. and um that was a total surprise and i'm not sure how
0: widespread my perspective on it is but Look at the kinds of countries that do this sort of thing. Yeah, they had the rolling ICBMs, and yeah. they—I mean, it was amazing—the the, just a the sheer amount. And you think about North Korea doing this, or obviously Russia, uh, the old uh, Soviet Union, uh, doing that. These big kind of totalitarian states that have to, like you say, roll out all the all the military hardware.
1: Well, and who are they scaring, right? Yeah. The, the people outside or the people inside. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, President Trump wanted one of these. Right. And there was a uh, really strong pushback against exactly this sort of parade, even from our military professionals yeah. who said, we don't do this kind of thing. Yeah. So it was just an interesting contrast of uh, yeah. two views on, on wow. this.
0: Great. Bill Portman, thank you so much for uh, coming in studio today on our international news review. I'm sure... Uh, These and other stories will be revisited again in the future. I have the feeling. (laughs) In the meantime, thanks so much for uh, being with us on Money FM. Thanks, Glenn. To listen to more great interviews, download our
1: podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.